We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program the winner of The Biggest Loser on USA Network, Jim D. Batista. Jim, thanks for calling. And I, I think it's been a whirlwind for going? you. You got to be so blown away of what has just happened since you, you joined the show. You, it's just got to be a whirlwind, isn't it? Complete whirlwind. How's it going, Neil? Yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, it was it was a really great experience. Uh, I really, you know, just cherish every moment. It was it was really hard, but I mean, it's it's surreal. I I'm still can't believe that I won. It's amazing. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. And let's go down the story. Why did you audition, or I guess, or put uh, audition or ask to be a contestant on The Biggest Loser? What was the reason? What was that rock bottom moment? Give us that story. Uh, so, you know, there was, um, a little bit of a moment. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, when I started the show, I was close to 400 pounds. Uh, I was, um, I recently discovered I had high blood pressure. Uh, I had sleep at, I had sleep apnea and, um, you're still there right now. Oh, absolutely. I'm just listening to you. Yeah, I'm here. Don't worry. Keep going. Yeah, sorry. No, so, yeah, so I, uh, so sorry. Yeah. So I had sleep apnea. So the rock bottom moment was my wife texted me a link for the show. And, it, you know, it was kind of like half joking, half not. Um, she was concerned and I, and I was concerned. So I built the, I built the link out um, in a really serious way, um, you know, half because I wanted to get on the show. And the other half because I was just kind of playing back on my wife a little bit like, OK, if you're going to send me the link, I'm going to follow through with it. And, you know, I was going to go down to the open casting call and just kind of sit there and take selfies and, and make it like almost like a joke. Uh, and you know, an hour later, a casting producer called me, and you know, the rest is history. Are you a fan of the show? Before, isn't it great to see the re, re, re bringing it back? I was such a huge fan for years of the show. Did you watch it before uh, being a contestant? Uh, the original. I did mm-hmm. watch it before. Um, my wife and I were fans, and we watched it together, and and. You know, I wasn't like a super fan. I didn't have like, you know, favorite contestants or anything, but I did have favorite trainers. I was a huge Bob fan. I liked Old Vet. Um, you know, I, I, I really thought uh, the show had something amazing to it, giving people opportunities to kind of just sit back and reboot their lives. And I love that part of the show. And, the, and I also love the educational part of it, that where they taught everybody basically how to live uh, in a nutritious and exercise uh, lifestyle. So, and, I, and I like I like this year where they were really going into more stories and backstories and really uh, trying to teach you guys how to live a healthy lifestyle through this process. So when you leave the ranch and leave that process, they're really looking at the individual person and how they can tailor it so that you guys don't taper off, that you can continue to live this lifestyle. My, uh, I'm kind of a different, I'm a different guy. Like I break things down. I'm a football coach. So I break things down into small little segments, small little plays, right? So I broke this process down for me in a very small way. To me, the only way for me to truly get uh, healthy and to improve my health was I had to fix mentally who I was when it came to exercise and nutrition. And to do that, I had to completely strip down and disregard all of my preconceived notions about working out and exercise and food and surrender, which to me is the number one word for me, was I had to surrender to, you know, Erica and the fit love process and the show's process and Bob basically suck in, in as much information as I could 
to rebuild myself back up in a way that when I left campus, no matter what, win or lose, I could apply what I learned in the real world and be successful. And, and that was my daily goal every day. And I think so far I've been fairly successful at it. And the difference in the show now, Jim, compared to other contestants that have won, there's more time you're back home compared to other shows. That's the change of The Biggest Loser, right? The real of the whole family getting together and working together in an earlier period than other shows where they really weren't home for a long period before the weigh-in, right? I, I personally think that. Now, I don't know if that's what the show's intention was, but I think... Uh, Coming home and being able to implement uh, this plan with my family and be able to integrate it more and with my friends and family and all the processes uh, and to for the contest to end for you know the end sooner and give me more time to kind of slowly but surely ramp myself back into a normal process uh, with calories and with exercise routines to me is huge. Like I, I, you know, the new process to me I don't know the old process. I only know what I. But this new show and the show that I was on, I'm the biggest fan and cheerleader of and will be the biggest supporter of moving forward. I think it has the potential to change lives beyond just the 12 contestants. I just, to me, this is the way it, it oh, it's it's a tremendous so brand, and, and Dave. I mean, Jim. I was calling you Dave for so well. well I, that was a, a pun. <laughs> uh, but Jim, I mean, thinking about this in so many ways with COVID nineteen, with the coronavirus, so many people were stuck in their homes, having to work out. If they are working out, you have to be that inspiration. There's and kind of explain how that kind of threw you for a loop. <laughs> the one season, the biggest loser. And we're dealing with the coronavirus. What, when you first, you know, saw, started seeing these restrictions, how did your life change? And how do you kind of live that, still that lifestyle? Because you couldn't go to the gym anymore. It, it, it's, it's a really interesting point. I think this COVID and I think the, the corona uh, epidemic is going to change the exercise industry forever. Fundamentally change it. And, and it could be for the better if it's done the right way. For example, I, I, I'm really into CrossFit. That's what I did when I came home. I, I just luckily jumped into a CrossFit gym, and, and it fit me. It's, it's kind of, you know, it's what I enjoy doing. Now I'm doing CrossFit Delco through Zoom, and we're still getting that community feel with being socially responsible. And the workouts are just as hard. And if you can't do that, you know, we still luckily can go outside. Nothing beats a good four-mile run. And you know, I think that's what's going to come out of this is that, you know, app-based one-on-one uh, um, more personal training will come out of this than necessarily, you know, um, the, the the big box gyms. But here's the thing. I miss Planet Fitness. I miss going to my treadmill and just kind of banging out my four miles and watching TV as I do it. And, you know, so there's going to be a balance, I think, you know. I mean, absolutely. And I mean, but I think this is going to change everything online. My, I have a digital marketing tech company and a tutoring company. My tutoring company's moved to online completely, uh, myself tutoring, but then also the digital marketing end to try to train other businesses and other people to see it's worthwhile. Why, why go drive to the gym for 15, 20 minutes and, you know, wait all that time and then come back and you're away from your family for two hours, do it in your house and involve your family and get them into living the same lifestyle. Cause there's many, 
many people. And the more we can do this, this might be the only one of the good pluses of us being, uh, you know, quarantined is something like this online communities yeah. working together because people give up if they're embarrassed to be at a gym. But if you're in the privacy of your own home and you're doing a video workout and you're working out with all these like minded individuals instead of the people that just, you know, live in the gym and that's their whole life. Well, it's going to inspire you more through these stories and you are inspiring Jim. And I, and I think that this is something that you and your platform needs to talk about how you're trying to bring your brand online. That's my biggest recommendation for you. Bring that brand online for sure. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Don't you see yeah, that? I, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm a perfect leader for that. I mean, if you look at Erica, she's completely changed her, her app into home uh, workouts without the gym and you know through plan of fitness her home in workouts are brutal like I, I dare anybody to do all of them and 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 do them repetitiously year day after day after day i guarantee you're going to feel better at the end of that week you know that's you know erica you know that's to me is that's the greatest part of this is like she's even pivot everybody's pivoting and learning how to process this whole whole scenario where can people get inspiring information from you and different things? You out? Do you have a you, your social media? What's the best place people can connect, learn more about you, Jim, and learn about what you're doing and all that stuff? Where's the best place to go? Best place to go right now is my Instagram. Uh, it's at Coach Jim Fifty Two. Uh, again, at Coach Jim Fifty Two. The Fifty Two is for the Eagles. Won the fifty second Super Bowl. Sorry. Go birds. Oh, no, I'm a Steeler guy, so come on, Jim. Um, he can't come on my show so, to do that. I'm kidding. Yeah, so <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I put all of my pictures from Biggest Loser, my personal stuff. I can now post, you know, pictures of me real time, which is amazing. I haven't been able to do that since, uh, since August. So it's pretty exciting. All right. Well, Jim, I appreciate you coming on and uh, best of luck. And I know and I think by people following this, uh, your Instagram and all the stuff you post online, tell your whole story, Jim. Tell it from beginning to end where you can't have media to tell the whole story because we could have an hour conversation to really get into this. But I appreciate you calling and best of luck and congrats again. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. You'll listen to Neil Haley's show. We'll be back in just Take a moment. Care. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Tobacco Wars radio show, and I'm excited to welcome the program. The host of the show, Jim Rumford. Jim, thanks for calling. Last week, you gave me a great history lesson regarding tobacco. Did not know, really, how it developed and everything, and today we're going to talk trusts. How are you? I'm very good, Neil. How you been today? Oh, busy. It's a busy day. Busy uh, it's very good that you have your business online or your remote. It's probably the best thing possible it, during this. And uh, I don't, and it's just craziness. Everyone's home, so they all need me. So it's just an interesting uh, turn of events when everyone that you're used to being in an office or a factory or somewhere, they're all at home. So it means you pretty much can book up your day pretty easily and very quickly. And Friday flew by and it's not over till six o'clock as I have an interview for producing your show. Then I have an interview live and then I go at six o'clock. It's five 30 as well. So for another production. So let's talk. You're busy guy. Yes, definitely. Let's talk trusts. Define trust for me. First of all, Jim. Okay. Give me just a minute and I'll read you exactly what the trust is. Because a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, exactly. They don't know what a trust is. The term trust, although derived as a state has now, 
obtain a wider significance and embrace every act, agreement, or combination of personal or capital believed to be done, made, or formed with the intent, power, tenacity to monopolize businesses, to restrain or interfere with competitive trade, or to fix influences or increase prices of commodities. So basically, the trust is a, is a form um, embraces only particular forms of business associations affected by stockholders of different corporations transferring their stock to trustees. The Standard Oil Trust was formed in this way originally. Basically, a trust is where um, it's done by vertical integration. Familiar with what they do today with the monopolies. But vertical integration meant that it'll take the American Tobacco Trust. They founded that in 1890. And then over a period of between 1890 and, say, 1900, they systematically purchased their competition. Now, what they started with, I just thought it was six or eight companies, but it really was uh, 150 operations that the American Tobacco Trust had purchased. And by the end of the 1890s, uh, the American Tobacco Trust had owned and operated almost all of the tobacco assets in the country and also in Europe. So they were dealing with millions and millions of dollars, and they were making great money, and it was pretty much the expense of the uh, what's created the tobacco wars or the night riders. So the monopoly yes. became vicious where they were the only uh, guy in town. Now let's take a look at monopolies in a different light like, as of today. If you take a look at Myers, Kroger's, Publix, and all those types of companies, <clears throat> there's not a monopoly in any of them because they they have broken that market up, the grocery market, into many different companies that compete fairly and they work and you know to support uh, the grocery needs of, of America. With the tobacco trust, they controlled 100% of the sales of tobacco. And so that was called a monopoly. Then you had the purchase of the tobacco from the farmers. And that was, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right, a monopolist. And so they were the only buyer in town and they were the only seller. And so they created these big, huge markets from uh, North America all through Europe. And so, and also they branched out into uh, Asia. But they made a lot of money. Buck, James Buck Duke was the creator of this. Uh, when they started in business, they had one small chicken coop and five barns of tobacco to make products off of. And when other farmers or other soldiers came home from the war, the Civil War, they were uh, they were out raising tobacco because they had none in their barns. So James Buck Duke, along with his father and his brother, they came along and created this huge industry. And uh, it became a monopoly. And then, according to the Sherman Antitrust Act of 1890, the monopolies then, or the trust, were illegal. That sound pretty good? Oh, yeah. It definitely sounds good. And so, 
trusts, in your opinion, are a good thing, but they have to be regulated, right, once they've formed trusts, right? Well, they were going to be regulated, but there was many trusts at the time, you know, Standard Oil Trust, the uh, Banking Trust, the Steel Mill Trust, Mining Trust, Railroad Trust. Everyone had trusts. And so the big guy to come along to bust that up was Teddy Roosevelt. Because the tobacco wars that started about 1902, and incidentally, the uh, the tobacco wars created a hardship on the American Tobacco Trust because many of their warehouses were burned down, which created, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds of tobacco. Uh, the farmer would bring them to the market. Basically, the farmer who sold to the trust, basically we call it hillbillies. They were not well liked. Uh, so those guys would bring the market, the uh, tobacco to trust uh, to the uh, warehouse, and it'd be put there for sale. And so the night riders would go into a town, and they would come in quietly at night. They would uh, bring farmers out who sell them to the trust. They'd horsewhip them and burn down their tobacco barns on their place. But then they had some big uh, warehouses. Covington, Kentucky had one. Brooksville, Kentucky, Maysville, Kentucky, Hendersonville, uh, Hopkinsville. One of the biggest raids was in Hopkinsville when 100 night riders came into town about 1 o'clock in the morning. And uh, the first thing they wanted to do is they wanted to secure the jail. So they went to the jail first and got a hold of the, uh, the captain of the police department and locked him up for safekeeping. And how I know that is that uh, I was at a farm show in Lowell, Kentucky here many years ago, and I happened, a guy happened to come along from Hopkinsville, Kentucky, and we started talking about the tobacco wars, and his grandfather was the police officer that got locked up in the jail in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. So the, the night Riders would knock on everybody's door, say, stay in, We're, this is our fight, we're going to burn down the warehouses. So they burned down some of the largest warehouses that uh, the American Tobacco Trust had, which was probably half a million pounds of tobacco at the time. Uh, they did knock, knock on everyone's door, and they said, this is, wow, uh, yeah. we're here to burn down the warehouses, so don't come out of the house. So that's some of the things that didn't. And that took a hit. It, it, that did hurt the American Tobacco Trust in those days. So but this war went on from right. 1902 to 1908. Mm -hmm. And then that's when Teddy Roosevelt stepped in. And uh, along with the Supreme Court, they were able to outlaw all the trust. You know, Interesting story. Oh, absolutely, Jim. And that's definitely, you can pick up your book, Tobacco, Trusts, and Trump, especially at thetobaccowars.com. And it's great to hear all the great feedback of the Tobacco Wars radio show and the great history that you're providing. When breaking a trust, who are trust busters? Are they the evil people or the non-evil people that break trusts? Well, the trust buster basically was was uh, Teddy Roosevelt. And he's the one that took these things to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ruled, and I think I've mentioned before, the first um, guy to go to the Supreme Court, it was in December of 1911, was um, John D. Rockefeller. And... Um, John D. Rockefeller, in the stories of what men, America, men that made America great, 
he uh, sat there and said, you know, I developed this industry. There was no industry. I was the industry. We developed this huge industry, and now you want to break it up. And I take offense that this is wrong. You've wronged me pretty bad. And the Supreme Court ruled, yes, but you have created a monopoly. And monopolies in this country are illegal because it stifles entrepreneurship and stifles uh, competition. And it's uh, so you are ordered to break up your company in the next six months. So that afternoon, the next guy came in was James Buck Duke. And to him, the same sentence was put down. You have created this monopoly, maybe so, but it's illegal and it stifles competition, entrepreneurship, and capitalism. You will sell off your company and do it in six months. So they each created, I think, six or eight new companies that uh, that was developed and that the trust was dissolved. And these new companies, because both Rockefeller and Duke had ownership in both and uh, all the companies that they created. Right, exactly. They made far they made far more money doing that than they would have ever done by themselves. So, and then that then that procedure that procedure just took place and followed suit through all the trust, and they were eventually all uh, done away with. I think that people are more used to the word monopoly than trust, Jim. That's and you really educated us in the word what a trust is. And I'm again, I have an undergrad in history and I forgot what a trust was. So I always thought of a trust as something good, but it really is not. And what's worse, a trust or a monopoly, or is it one and the same? They're pretty much the same. Like today, they don't they don't name these trusts because the trusts are gone. But today you have the monopolies and Google and Facebook and Apple and those guys are monopolies. And so <clears throat> being illegally operating, they need to be broken up too. Even the second in command of Apple or uh, of Facebook, <clears throat> excuse me, the second in command of Facebook says that uh, Facebook needs to be broken up. Uh, if you have <clears throat> a monopoly in these high tech areas, they can control the thought process of uh, the voting public. And so they have so much control that they can lean their thinking to those people, to the side that they're trying to promote, whether it be liberalism or conservatism. And uh, the people who did this back 125 years ago were the telegraph operators. The telegraph companies would deliver news to the newspapers around the country and they could slant things thinking one way or the other but that's back with the telegraph and the crank phone and all that good stuff so the technology's always been here it's just changed its coat oh it definitely has and i think that that's the thing that we can go to another topic another is really specifically enough the strategies that we need to tell lawmakers about Google, Facebook, all of these different companies, how they are monopolies. Who do we need to contact in government, especially when we have the opportunity to have a say in government to break up all these and the control they have over us? For example, Jim, I did a show on conspiracies for the coronavirus and Facebook would not let my video be shown to anyone. 
So these are the kinds of things that are happening uh, that make the government, certain government entities that have a, an agenda control all of these monopolies, Google, Facebook, based on a specific political ideology. That's correct. Well, the FBI and the, and the Justice Department, they have each taken on two companies. One of the, one of the um, companies with, uh, say, the FBI would be either Apple or Facebook, and the other one for the Department of Justice would be uh, uh, Google and Amazon. So they're already under investigation, have been for some time, because they're looking at these monopolies as being illegal because the Antitrust Act is still, still in force. But then again, the Antitrust Act was written back in the 1890s. It came into effect in 1890, so they were building this thing up in the 1870s. And uh, so a lot of things need to be updated, but they're working on it. So things are going to happen. We just we'll, don't know we'll, what. We'll learn exactly. So best place to find information on you is go to thetobaccowars.com. You're also on Twitter at Jim Rumford. And also you can check out The Tobacco Wars on different social media sites. We're all You're all over the place. And thank you again for the history that you provide the Total Media Network with your podcast slash radio show. And I appreciate you coming by again. Oh, anytime. All right. Take care, Jim. Thanks again. Thank you. All right, bye. bye-bye. All right, that was the Tobacco Wars radio show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Rob Roselli Show, and I'm excited to welcome to the program Rob Roselli. Uh, Rob, how are you? And I just can't believe what's happening. I cannot believe that we're sitting here every week thinking, what are we going to hear next? 200,000 lives dying, 100,000 in the United States, while we're told we're going to go back to worship in East on Easter Sunday, that's ended. And that's just the fear that they're putting so many people under on the media, scaring these people. It's really sad. Nice, Neil. And as you know, and I'm getting in a habit on this show and other ones that I go on, you know, the website's boxofsunglasses.com. And, and again, if people get nothing else out of this, people that are listening are going to listen. Uh, God's simple salvation plan. Um, you know, that's the foundation. You go back to, you know, Matthew 16 and Jesus tells Peter, you know, you're my rock. You're the foundation of my new church. Um, not the first Pope. That's a whole other conversation. None of that nonsense. But anyway, <laughs> so that, the point is, is that the, um, you know, people have to be rooted in something. And of course, unfortunately, we've been taken away from our religious and Christian moorings. Uh, and we're just kind of out here floating in happy land, you know, on this this little ball known as earth in the middle of infinite nothingness and people are just kind of hanging out now waiting for these schmucks in Washington to come save them. But I'm telling you, do not do that. Um, <laughs> if you are listening. So anyway, and um, yeah, I guess we can segue and in right into the, uh, the schmucks in Washington. I and mean, because we're trying to get, trying to get a read on this coronavirus, the severity of it. And I'm, I'm not trying to belittle it. Um, I mean, I, I'm getting, I'm, I'm talking about people, sources that I respect, not, not, not the schmucks on the, you know, the so-called mainstream news, you know, exactly. No, yeah. um, it, it, it's all over the map, Neil. I mean, they're, they're trying to get a, a grip on the severity of this. I mean, who's saying that the hospitals aren't as full as they're saying, and then you go to another site, um, and, and it's going to, you know, it's, it's going to make the black death look like, uh, you know, like a sprained ankle or something. It, it, um, but let's, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh. 
the schmucks in Washington. <laughs> I mean, but, so, but you say the schmucks in Washington. Let, let, let's think of Dr. Anthony. Uh, I always have trouble pronouncing his name. I'm not going to worry about it. But Dr. Anthony Fauci, Fauci, or we can say something really bad, but we won't. Uh, right. Dr. Anthony Fauci, that basically what we're surprised by this is he's really making, he's controlling the decisions and the World Health Organization are controlling the decisions of what the United States does. And that really scares me that a country of freedom is no longer a country of freedom in a matter of X amount of weeks, weeks. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's basically uh, the, the, the matter of weeks, things have completely changed. Right. I mean, think yeah. about it. I mean, where our freedom is completely lost and we never thought this would ever happen. No, 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 no. I mean, conspiracy kooks knew this day was coming, but what this virus has done has been accelerating the process. I mean, if you really want to get technical, I mean, Proverbs 22.7, the debtor is slave to a lender. I mean, really, I mean, at least the last hundred years, plus years since 1913, um, you know, we've been debt slaves to the Federal Reserve System. And of course, that interlocks. Uh, you mentioned the World Health Organization and people and that worries you, and it should, because the World Health Organization was responsible for distributing the AIDS pandemic in Africa 30 years ago. And here they are, you know, 2020 covering for the communist Chinese, the most evil bastards. Well, I, I mean, it's, you know, amongst the most evil bastards in world history, uh, you know, covering for them and as, as, as well as our sellout mainstream press you know, trying to figure out who the most evil person in history. It's like trying, uh, you know, trying like the college, like the preseason college football top 25 or something. I mean, you know, is it Hitler? Is it, is it Mao? Is it uh, Genghis Khan? I mean, who, you know, who knows? But uh, all children of Satan, by the way. Um, so, and Fauci, you know, I don't know a lot about him. He seems like a bright guy. You want to like the guy and, and you want to believe in him. But then you read, you know, he's another Hillary Clinton fan. So, you know, the, look, the walls are closing in around Trump, but let's face it, he's, he's, he's brilliant, and, and I, I hope he stays in as long as he can. Um, but as you're mentioning, as we're finding out, does he really control this thing? Does he really control? I mean, as we discussed in the past on other shows, I mean, the president, the presidency is supposed to be a putz. I mean, it's supposed to be George Bush or some other schmuck and just sit there and push papers and you know, have a little bit of charisma and, you know, and, and, and act like people have a choice and, you know, how their country actually runs. That That's what the president's supposed to be, the last person, as I've mentioned numerous times, the last person to take the presidency seriously was a guy by the name of JFK. Um, we all know what happened to him, you know, you know, head blown off in broad daylight, but, you know, bullet that didn't even meet the most fundamental laws of physics. Um, you know, Trump is, uh, I don't know how long Trump is going to last, but as I mentioned, I hope he has had his Damascus Road moment, and, and I think Trump realized. I think Trump understands, um, and 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 I, and I I'm, I'm, the more and more I think about it and watch it, I think he understands where this is all going, and he knows. And I think we all know. Um, I think we're all going to be in trouble. Uh, me, um, you for having me on. <laughs> so you think this um, is this? So, and so you're thinking that this has just caused us to really never gain our freedom ever back again. I, I think that's probably correct. I mean, you know, the walls, the walls were closing in slowly, but now that this whole thing is accelerating it, um, you know, look, I'm mean, already, already seeing stories pop out, you know, Fox News is done if the Democrats win and all this and that. I mean, look, you can see it already. I mean, the canary in a coal mine was this, there's an article in the New York Times a few days ago. I mean, now they're blaming, quote, Christians for the, spreading the coronavirus. And I guess the rationale was, well, Christians 
voted Trump into office and Trump is incompetent. And he doesn't know what he's doing and he's causing people to die. Um, you know, he's anti-science. So, you know, therefore it's Christians. And that's the canary in a coal mine, you know. That's this is the establishments coming for people like me, they're coming for Trump, they're coming for everybody listening, they're coming for people that support Trump. This this is where it's going. Let's let's just cut the crap and get right yeah, to it. I mean, I mean, absolutely. And and we're just seeing this uh firsthand, but I'm hoping I am going to have the outlook that we're going to get back to normal soon enough once this virus is killed. Once we have I'm a vaccine. Bet, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to bet harshly against that, Neil. You mean I'm not, I hope I'm wrong and I hope you're right, but I'm, I'm going I'm to be diametrically almost um, respectfully disagree with that. But anyway. So you think that we're going to go back to a country, we're looking at science fiction in so many ways, that we're going to have a world that is going to be hardly associating with each other all online because of viruses and disease that we're afraid to really interact ever again. This will never be killed. Well, that's that's look, that's some kind of societal social effect. I'm I'm saying that, you know, once once martial law is imposed in a situation, we already have quasi martial law and, and you can see it. And let, let me just say this, okay. Let, let me just say this before I, you know, before people out there and you know, oh, he's advocating violence, you know, I, I'm not doing that. Okay. People need to read my website. Um, this is not our fight. Okay. Read John chapter nineteen and you know, Matthew twenty six and Jesus says, you know, put your put your sword back in its place. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, uh, there's no militia movement I'm, I'm advocating. I'm just, I'm just explaining a strict biblical truth, but just so people understand that, not, not that it's going to matter anyway, because it, it, look, you, you can see the signs are everywhere. Okay. And who's going to be running this? Um, let's just jump to that. Let's just jump to this Pelosi. You can see it already. Pelosi is already gearing up. Oh, there's going to be an investigation. Trump is, he's anti-science. He's this and that. He caused this. It doesn't matter what the truth is. I mean, people need to start figuring this out. I mean, Hannity can get on every night on Fox News and bang his head against the wall, against the desk, and keep saying the same things. But you know, people got to step back and see where it is, see where this is all going. And I'm telling you, it's not any place good. Um, if you support of Trump, if you're a Christian, if you if you love America, I mean, not not this America, you know, but the former America. Um, I mean, just look at the just look at the collective douchebags um, known as a Democratic Party. OK, you got the the, the Botox bimbo from the Bay, uh, Nancy Pelosi, um, you know, getting on this TV. <laughs> right. All right. And then, then you got, uh, you know, the other schmuck there, her sidekick there, you know, sleeping Joe Biden, you know, we, weekend at Biden's right. Joe Biden, the, the the walking corpse, the criminal, you know, that creep. And, you know, they're trying to make him president. And it's obvious what's going on there because they can't have the slobbering idiot Bernie Sanders. Blah, blah, free health care for everybody, you know, transgender abortions and that idiot. So they, they, they the Democrats are slick, slick enough to know that he's just a blithering, blathering idiot and he can't win. So they're trying to get the, the walking corpse, you know, the senile Biden in there. Uh, you know, to be president so they can control him. So they can have a vice president. I, I hear a lot of people saying Hillary's going to be it. No, Hil Hillary's not going to be it because, you know, uh, Greg Gutfield, who I, I watch, he's on Fox. He's one of the I'm a huge fan. I, I wish I could get to interview him one point in time. I've gotten to interview certain people from Fox, but not Greg. He's awesome. But he, um, he, you know, he was on the other night. He, he called it, and I, I don't. I think he was so PO'd, and he basically called Hillary a devil. And, and I've been calling her that for for a long time, as you know, on the show. And I, and I mean that literally in the terms of. You know, I'm not saying she's running around with a cape and horns, and 
you know, but, you know, in the terms of Judas Iscariot, where she, she's just gone, or Pharaoh, the Old Testament, she, she's just gone. Her heart is stoned. There's no, the pe- people that recognize her, it's just a, it's just a shrill, it's just a shill, I mean, just an evil, miserable old hag. And she's not going to go far. She may, she's, of course, she's going to try to jump into the whole mess because she's a megalomaniac. And you have Mario Cuomo, and you watched him a little bit, and I got to admit, I watched Mario Cuomo. He's got a certain charisma about him, and, and there's a likability to the guy, and then then you say, say, "Hey, wait a second, you know, Mario, aren't you the aren't you the one that just lit up the Empire State Building <laughs> in pink a few months yeah. ago because you you passed a law because you yeah, you, and his and his, and, 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 and his brother and his brother now has coronavirus. You didn't hear that? News. I, 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 I don't I don't think that's funny by any means, but no, you know, Mario, you know, Mario Junior. There is, you know. He just passed a law letting, you know, saying a baby can be aborted up to basically up to the time of birth, which is essentially post-birth abortion. I mean, what's the difference? Once the baby's out of the canal, and, you know, and, and you kill it, you know, and as we mentioned on our case in the past, where they stuffed one into a stuffed the baby into a biohazard bag and threw it on the roof alive of an abortion clinic. So, you know, that that's the evil that he is. But, you know, like all politicians, he's got a charisma. He's got his little, you know, he's got his little devil, too. And, and, and uh but it's more of a more of a subtle. So I mean, but he's never going to win a presidency because he's just—I I don't know. But the point is, is that you, you can listen to a guy like that and kind of get sucked in by his charisma. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question: Who do you? I mean, who does that leave? Uh, there's no. And, there's no one's uh, no one's going to be Trump. I'm, I'm pre- I'll predict this right now. Uh, I think he'll get us out of it, and it'll be one of the greatest. Uh, things in the world to get out of get the economy back and people are going to be like here's the thing last point i'm going to make i i i'm going to be more positive than you especially you know quarantine my beard as long as uh uh everything i'm going to give you this my prediction and we'll see i agree we're going to lose a lot of our power and trump's gonna is going to not gain he's going to try to gain more power he's going to be reelected trump uh and then we're going to see what happens after trump Trump's going to have to pull back the reins and use a lot of uh, socialism to save the country. And he's going and, you know, Biden can't go say I'm going to have a stimulus plan after there's going to be two stimulus plans in the next six months. This is the first Trump will use every dollar possible to keep us out of to, to keep the economy rolling. And, well, and, and that, again, we have to in wartime. But however, I think it's going to lead to a precedent that anyone that votes for a president wants free stuff. So even though Trump's has to do this to save the economy, what's your thought on that? Well, I don't I don't I hope you I hope you're right. Again, I, I do not agree the, the, my my answer. I'll give you my answer is one Barack Hussein Obama. OK, um, the man of ultimate charisma. There are many of these Democrats, these idiots that think Nancy Pelosi is the answer. Um, could you imagine that ego coming back and saying he has to he has to right the ship? And and I already saw an article this morning. Uh, he's out there saying, "Oh, this is this is caused by climate change." Crazy. They just bring up climate change. Come on now, really. But boxesunglasses.com for more information. Look at different things. Go to boxesunglasses.com. Check out all of Robert Selly's different sites. He has a YouTube channel now. We'll have that all in the links in the bottom of, of his podcast slash radio show and also on the Neil Haley Network as I'll be doing bumpers of every different uh, Neil Haley Network. I'm sorry. Now, Total Media Network. I continue to rebrand and retool this amazing uh, platform for people that want 
want to really speak out because trust me, this will be the only platform at one point to talk. Everything else will be spinned in a certain way. Robert Sully will not spin it that way. So Rob, I appreciate you calling. And next week we'll look into more and more of the conspiracy with, um, again, um, with Barack Obama and we'll see where we go. Okay. Oh, don't forget that name or whatever his name is. Um, you heard it here first, unfortunately, and I, I hope I'm wrong, but um, I will talk to you later. All right. You're, that was the Robert Sully Show, everyone. Take care. We're back to the Neil Haley Show, and I'm excited about the Freedom From Addiction segment, and I'm excited to welcome the program Reverend Wynn Henderson. Wynn, how are you? We are all learning to just live online and live in our houses, and I think that each and every week it's becoming like Groundhog Day, the same thing every day. But how are you, Wynn? Well, assuming that I'm playing the groundhog, I'm doing pretty good. I would like to be out in the community doing what I used to do, but I understand that it's much more important to blunt the curve of this disease by not getting out. So that's what I do, and I hope everybody else will do the same. All right, Wynn, so tell us about the topic, but I know you want to tell your audience, first of all, um, where the information about your show. Well, uh, it's a pleasure to have my audience listening today, uh, Neil. It's my sincerest desire for them to get something from it that will make their life safer in this time of the coronavirus pandemic. As an ordained Christian minister and a retired medical doctor, I have a dual perspective to bring you the content to solve problems in your life. Freedom from Addiction and Share Your Mission is the longest-running, single-hosted, and produced radio, internet, talk show in the country. It has been continuously running for the last 20 years. I introduce you to celebrities and non-celebrities alike who have something to say about the disease of addiction in any of its 30-plus different forms and about the importance of finding your mission in life and then acting on it. So today we're going to kind of clean up some of the uh, misunderstandings that have been going on. And you know, if you watch television, you know, one day they say one thing, two days later they say another. So exactly. Let's let's talk about some of those yeah, things. And it's and you, that's a great point you make um when it's just really a frustration on my end that you have the president of the United States saying one thing, then Bill Gates saying another, and then Dr. Fauci saying another, and then someone else that represents another political party saying another, or a governor saying, what are we to do in this, just all this information that is not all consistent at all for our health? It's okay politically, but for our health, we need to know what's the best thing to do. Yeah. And uh, I just got an email that uh, told me that 562 New Yorkers died last night. Oh, no. Last Um, night. You know, that is really serious. Oh, you you don't you don't have that many people dying when you're at war. No, most definitely. I mean, that's just that's crazy. It's uh Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, I know that you have a bunch of different things to talk about, specifically enough about things that we need to do 
so that we make sure that we don't contract the coronavirus. And some of them I'm really uh, being very uh, uh, naughty on in the fact of naughty in the word of not following the guidelines to stay healthy because of the uncertainty and the stress that's happening. But let's hear these steps and hopefully our listeners will know we're going to have to batten down the hatches till May or maybe June and we have to start living a different lifestyle till then. Well, let's talk about inflammation. Inflammation is a process the body uses to deal with infection or injury, in this case, the coronavirus. The major problem with decreasing your inflammation is that it inhibits the body from effectively dealing with and killing infections. The um, coronavirus is the one that we're most interested, but it could be any number of bacterial or other types of infection. Uh, decreasing inflammation by use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs lowers our defense response. It's often chronic inflammation and not the viruses themselves that cause much of long-term damage. Obesity, unregulated stress, tobacco use, alcohol use, lack of physical activity, poor sleep, and poor diet are all linked to chronic inflammation. And the four major ways of treating this is what you eat, how long and restful your sleep is, getting out of stress and releasing that, and exercise. So uh, this is this is what is underlying this, and we don't have a vaccine yet, and we don't have any approved uh, types of medication that can knock this thing out. So what we can do is we can uh, decrease um, the uh, pain and fever. But then there was this big uh, thing from the French foreign minister who m made a report that came out against using um, the uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen. Yeah, I remember, and, you, remember you talking about that study yeah. last week on the program. Mm -hmm. and, and, and why is ibuprofen singled out? It's singled out because more people use it than any other non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agent. But um, there is evidence that there is no evidence. In other words, no good scientific study basis to say that the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents make the, the uh, death rate go up, make the disease worse, these kind of things. But out of uh, trying to um, trying to be very cautious, I said last week, that uh, I recommend not using ibuprofen, even though there's no evidence that backs that up, because there's another drug that's not an non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, paracetamol, commonly sold under the brand name Tylenol, or generically acetaminophen, that should be used instead for fever and pain release. But just know that. If you're on ibuprofen for another condition, right? 
I don't think that you should stop taking it. That's my personal opinion. And maybe in a day or two, somebody else will come out with another opinion. It seems like uh, it's always, uh, always that's what's happening. I mean, it's so true. And, and you, you're, you hit the nail on the head in so many ways of uh, the, the, the news that comes out like talking about inflammation and things like that, but sleep. Now you talked a little bit about sleep, but do you have more to add regarding how important sleep is to not contract the virus? Well, it's only to not contract the virus, but to get over many or any disease, your body has to have time to rest, recuperate. And that means uh, a good eight hours sleep a night. Most people don't get that. And a good night's sleep is literally what makes the difference between a life well-lived and existence where you just drag yourself through life. It can also make the difference between life and death during the coronavirus pandemic. Here are some ideas to help get better sleep. First, avoid sugar and carbs, especially in the evening. Then, regulate your sleeping hours and get on a schedule. Next, avoid screens and their blue light at least 90 minutes before going to bed. Next, exercise regularly. Then, avoid caffeinated coffee or tea. And reduce or eliminate the use of alcohol. It blocks your REM sleep. It may let you go to sleep the first time for a little while, but the long-term effect is bad. Um, Next, take sleep supplements. Uh, The one that I I know most people um, are talking about and using, although there are many, is melatonin. It's an herb that uh, puts you to sleep in your first sleep cycle, but then it doesn't last all night. And you should uh, talk to your doctor about that. The next point is meditation or meditation. Well, you all know what meditation is and you're alert and active. Meditation is what you do when you're in bed, uh, sleeping or going between sleep and being alert. And one of the types of meditation is the muscle relaxation technique. And in this technique, you start contracting and holding various different muscles. You start at your toes, contract them, hold them for a while. And then your foot, your ankle, your lower leg, your knee, your upper leg, your lower um, abdomen, and those muscles in your stomach area. And you keep going up and uh, contracting and relaxing your hands and your arms and your neck and your face. And, and then at the end of that cycle, if you're not really relaxed, and most people would be, do it over again. But this is a, a technique that will relax you to the point that you should be ready to sleep. Now, also, there are sleep tracking apps that you can get, or you can keep a sleep log, a written log of what's going on. You could 
read something calming or even slightly boring and then maybe 30 minutes max and then try to go back to sleep. You could uh, use good earplugs. Silicone earplugs are, are great. And it keeps out those distracting noises that wake you up or keep you from going to sleep. The, um, the last point would be to open or close the window. It, it depends on what your temperature is in the room and in your body underneath the covers, whether you need to be warmer or cooler. A lot of people say that it's easier to sleep when you're cooler. And if you get noise coming in from the outside, then those earplugs come in handy. I was uh, studying this um, this morning, and the book was The Extremely Busy Woman's Guide to Self-Care. But it could also <laughs> you be, be used for people that are lazy, or it could be used for men. And you can hear me talk about that uh, program on a soon upcoming podcast or on YouTube. You know, it's very interesting when you talk about these things and, you know, and I listen to you about the sleep and it's just something that's so hard with time, but we do have more time on our hands and it's, we got to make it a point to sleep more. And however, we have to evaluate why we're staying up too late. What are we doing to not get that sleep. So it's great tips. Uh, another topic you want to talk about is the use of masks universally. And well, when, this, has, yeah. this has been in the uh, in the news almost every day. It's, the, it uh, truly CDC, is. Yeah, the CDC and the World Health Organization, as of yesterday, had not come up with a final determination on whether they're going to recommend that or not. But I read the, the uh, news stories from the Asian population. They practically went to universal mask on everybody early on, and they were able to blunt the disease process. I think personally that we ought to be doing that also. And you can use um, a high-grade mask, but if you do that, you may be taking it away from medical personnel that needs it more than you do. So there are other kinds of masks. And if you have some lying around from before this happened, use those. And if you don't, you could perhaps make a mask out of fabric. And you can go to YouTube and put in do-it-yourself fabric mask and get a, a way of, of doing that. But even if you can't do that, you could grab a scarf and wrap it around your face. And I know that uh, you might be self-conscious, but it's better to be self-conscious than it is to be dead. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's definitely a good, great point. And so they might de debate whether masks keep you from getting it or keep it from going out from a person who already has it. But whatever the thing is, it's cheap, it's inconvenient, but it's going to save a lot of lives. So I personally would recommend when you go outside, have a mask on. 
All right, let's go to the next topic with these throat lozenges, which are very difficult to find. Well, they're almost impossible to find. Three weeks ago, I went out looking for zinc lozenges to a drugstore, and he said, well, we've got some. They're over there against that wall. I went over there, looked and looked and looked and couldn't find any. So I grabbed a, a girl that was working the cash register. Can you find some zinc lozenges for me? And she got down on her knees, and way in the back, where you couldn't see them, there were three packages. Well, that was about the last time that I saw them. I've gone to drugstores. I've gone to grocery stores. I've gone to Walmart. And I couldn't find them. But maybe you can. And this would be important if you can get yourself some zinc lozenges. And if you can't find them in town, how about going to eBay and buying some from one of their sellers and put a rush on it? And this may be the way to go. But zinc has the ability to inhibit the virus from getting into your body. And you know, the virus comes in through your mouth and your nose. And so what I would recommend is anytime that you go out in public or you're going to be around a bunch of people, suck on one of those zinc lozenges and coat the back of your, your throat so that if you get exposed to the virus, perhaps it won't get in. And then if you start having symptoms that might be the virus, you got a fever, you got uh, muscle aches and pains, you got a cough, shortness of breath, any of those kind of things, take a zinc lozenges three or four times a day, and that will help rid your body of something that got into it. And that would be my recommendation for zinc. Uh, and like I said, hard to find, but if you can find it, it might make a big difference. All right, when last topic for today. Well, um, I was I was just trying to think whatever um, I might want to talk you, you about. Talk, you talked the alkaline diet you wanted to talk about. A diet? Oh, okay. There's um, something about eating an alkaline diet. And because of the pH of the coronavirus, uh, somewhere around 8.5, and you're eating foods that are higher than that, and you are having alkalinity in your body, perhaps it will kill the uh, virus or, or, or keep it from doing as much damage as it would otherwise. And eating an alkaline diet is really good for taking care of chronic medical problems. Uh, things like cancer, arthritis, many, many conditions respond better if you're eating an alkaline diet. And I don't have time today to tell you all the foods that you need to eat, but they're mostly in the fruits and vegetable line. And you can Google alkaline diet and get more information, or else we may put up a podcast about that later. And address some of the things you talked about in further detail. Best place, again, to tell us information on you and where we can find info on you. Where can we go in? Well, my podcast is www.freedomfromaddiction.libsyn.com. And you spell Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N. 
this is my uh, distributor, and uh, it will take you directly to the most recent podcast. Then you can.